anyway. Every time we come to church, my kids, they go in the bookstore. They grab a Bible off the shelf. They come to me, Dad, will you buy me this $49.99 Bible, please? Dad, you know that room has a lot of Bibles. I was like, I know, it's my bookstore. I'm the pastor here. It's not my bookstore. It's the Lord's. But anyway, I'm here every day. I know what Bibles are in the bookstore. And, and I'm like, no, go put it back there. Like, but the blue Bible. So, thanks, Mom. And I hope you watch this message online. I'm the pastor who tells her kids no to a Bible, by the way. So why do I say no, though? It's because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking they're not, they're not reading it anyway. It's just an object, right? You know where I'm going now, right? I know they're kids, but isn't it sad that my thought is even though they have it, they won't read it? Isn't that sad? even though they possess a Bible and they want one so bad and they're fighting over it because they have to have it. I mean, I should, I should be overflowing with happiness. But even me as a pastor of these kids think in the back of my mind, they're not going to read it. This is what, where a lot of Christians are at if we were real with ourselves or honest with ourselves. We know we should read the Bible, but we rarely do. You can now write that down on your hand since Dom didn't give you the correct note. If you're writing it in your cell phone, as soon as you enter it in, put your cell phone face down. Facebook world will not leave you behind. You can look at it later. The apostle Paul explains this. He explains how important knowing the word is. It is, it is paramount, okay? So Romans 10, 17 says this, consequently, I can't talk today, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That is the Bible, by the way. You've heard it this way because you've heard it, New King James Version. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he is explaining, not me, Paul, the apostle, the guy who wrote like half of the thing. <laughs> he says, so then faith comes by hearing and, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if you want your faith to grow, it's not just because you go to church on Sunday. It's not because you listen to the 700th Stephen Furtick message. You know how many people come to me and go, you're like, you should listen to Stephen Furtick. I know he, who he is. He's one of the most famous preachers of all time, and I am not Stephen Furtick, okay? So I will listen to it, but I will not do it. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like, it doesn't, that, that stuff is great, and it's important, but the actual word of God is that it is the Bible, the word, that will grow your faith, that it is the number one thing that will help you go from here to here in your relationship with God. And there are people who would disagree with that. They'd say, no, my faith grows because of my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to say that you're completely wrong, just a little wrong. I would agree that the, that the Holy Spirit is active in your growing in your faith. I believe that the Holy Spirit is a key and is important in your life today. But the Holy Spirit and learning from the Holy Spirit is directly linked to being a person who knows the word. The Bible's very clear. It says that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things you need when you need them. What do you think he's bringing to your remembrance? The word of God. But if you don't have the word of God in here and in here, then what's he gonna bring? How's he gonna do that? If you're only relying on me on Sunday mornings to bring the word, um, you're gonna remember that blue Bible story more than you're gonna remember the scripture that I shared. And I sure hope that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring the blue Bible story back. I hope he brings some word to you, right? Let's be honest with ourselves, right? I, again, feel like I'm saying that a lot. The other thing is this. 
It's like you wouldn't even know about the Holy Spirit if it wasn't for the Bible. Because Jesus was recorded by saying, when I, 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 when I leave, another's going to come. You wouldn't know about the another, <laughs> the another, if you, if you didn't have the word to read about it or didn't have somebody who read the word in the first place to read about it and tell you about it. So in order for your faith to be 100% devoted, 100% follower, not 80-20, you need to know the word. Everybody say, I need to know the word. You're right, you do. Barna Research Group, which is a huge research group all around the country, uh, or they, they all around the world, they do these studies and incredible things to find out a lot of things about religious uh, situations. Um, anyway, they did, they did a study, and they just finished it in 2018, and they found this. This is their stat, is that 14% of Americans use the Bible daily. 14%. And notice it doesn't say read, read the Bible daily. It says use the Bible daily. It's because in their research... To get that number to be at 14% and not drastically lower, they had to include literally word for word, this is what they said, is any contact with a Bible verse at all. So whether you listened to the Christian radio and somebody said a Bible verse, or you saw it on Facebook because somebody posted it, or you read on your Bible app, or you happen to listen to a podcast, or anything like that. It's not, this is not talking about opening the Bible and actually reading. This is any contact with a Bible verse during the day. Only 14% had any daily contact with the Word. 14%. This is kind of scary when you think about it, right? Because like we should, if we're believers, if we're in the word, there's more 90 or it's like 87% of Americans consider themselves Christians, okay? And only 14% of Americans have any contact with the word daily. Um, this is crazy. We are crazy. <laughs> so Christians as a majority do not actually read the Bible or, or, or really use it in any context at any point during the day. Yet we want to be the ones to stand up for our faith. No wonder Christians get such a bad rap because they get out there and they start get on their soapbox and they start talking about morals and they're talking about what the Bible says and all this stuff, and they don't even know the Bible. You know, if you grew up as a Jewish kid, you would have had to memorize the whole Bible word for word. If you grew up as a Muslim, you would have had, had to memorize the Quran word for word. No wonder when we get in debates with people who, who are of other faiths or other religions that they own most Christians in, in situations because they actually read it. And, and we have become a society that just consumes it on Sunday or on our drive to work through somebody else who's read it, somebody else who's looked at it. And I think that's got to change. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna live the life that God has for you, if, if you're gonna live the victorious, God-driven life, then you've gotta know the word. You have to spend some time in the word. The Apostle Paul again writes about knowing the word in 2 Timothy. These are letters to Timothy, who's who's like in training to be a leader in the church. And so Paul's saying these are the things that are really, really, really important for somebody who's going to be leading the church. 2 Timothy 2.15, he says this. You've heard this before. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the what? The word, the word, the Bible, the word of truth. 
Why does Paul say these statements so often? In fact, if you read the, the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches, he says this over and over and over and over, talks about the word. Why? It's because Paul faced more persecution than any person who's just about ever lived. And the reason why he faced more than, than you or I or more than the other people who were martyred is because he lived through all of them when he should have died. And then he got persecuted again, and then he got persecuted again. So why does he say we need to know the word and why it's so important? It's because he stood in the situation that he knows at some point we might stand in. And he knew the thing that really helped his faith and helped him to make it through and to persevere and, and to live the life that, that really made a difference. The reason why you're sitting here today is because he knew the word. He knew God's word. Now again, he knew the Old Testament, not the New Testament, because all of that was written you know, well, as part of his life, but it, it, it's what led him to be successful. You, you, remember, you remember when Jesus went into the wilderness? Remember he gets baptized and then it says he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by who? The devil. He's tempted by Satan. Uh, and every time he's tempted, he responds, the first words that come out of his mouth that he responds with is, it is written. The way that he combats the devil, the way that he stands against the, the devil and what he's trying to do in his life is through the word. He brings the word. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. It is written. And so he, he this, is, this is the way that I put it today. So this is, this is a Ross-ism. Is this, and you can type it into your phone if you'd like. Your voice is the weapon and the word or the Bible is the ammunition. God has given you all you need to stand up in those situations. God has given you all you need to be able to stand up against the devil. And so many people are facing things in their life and they're looking at God and they're going, hey, why God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? And God's going, are you kidding me? I gave you the weapon, which is your mouth, and I gave you the ammunition, which is my word. Now will you just go and fight the battle? We want God to swoop in on his white horse and pick us up and take us away. And God goes, I'm going to do that later. Right now what I need you to do is I need you to fight the battle you're in. I need you to fight the battle. I've given you what you need. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this. It says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. A sword is what? It's a weapon, right? Everybody say, it's a weapon. Okay, so they didn't have guns back then. They had swords. And so God uses the context of what they know. The, the, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. So it penetrates even into the dividing soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is, is, is your weapon and it's used through, through your voice, through your mouth, but you can't use it if you don't know it. Sorry, I, I don't mean to like be harping on, well, I kind of do mean to be harping on this, but, uh, but we need to stop blaming God for situations we're in and start fighting with the weapons of the warfare that he gave us. Like he's given it to you, you have it. And the way to do that, the way to equip yourself for battle, the way to equip yourself for situations of your life is to know the Word of God. So I want to do something. Uh, I want to take a trip this morning uh, into the Old Testament for, for the rest of the time that we're here. And now, a, a number of weeks ago or months ago, I, I did a series where I talked about how we don't live in the Old Covenant, right? We live in the New Covenant, the Covenant of Jesus. And, and I made some really clear statements about 
the, the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant because I didn't want to freak people out because I still believe the Old Testament is very important to our walk with, with God today. But this is the statement I made, and, I, and I, I made it another fill-in-the-blank, even though we did this like five times two months ago. It's this. The Old Testament is not written to you, but it was written for you. If you're writing this down, you can cross out the word written and you can put recorded. I think b- both would work. The Old Testament was not written to you. It was written to the Israelites. It was written for a specific reason, for God to, to walk people through the path that they needed to, to result in bringing the Messiah, Jesus, here. Okay, But it is important that it's there. It was recorded for us so that we could learn principles, so it could be a roadmap for, for things in our life in context for us. Uh, let me give you a good example before I get into this. Last week I had somebody contact me and they asked me, what does the Bible say and, and how should I live based on marrying somebody of a different race? What does the Bible say about interracial marriage? And so I'll go there today with you. Um, it says, yeah, cool, go ahead. It's good. God, I think he's good with it. God's good with it. And, you might, and so the response back was, well, in the Old Testament, it talks about how people of God shouldn't marry outside of these different things. And I said, okay, so let's look at the context of the Old Testament. Why would God tell the Hebrew people, don't marry people of a different ethnicity or race from you? Which, by the way, they broke that rule many, many times. And in many of those cases, God still honored those people. But, but let's just look at why. It's because God was setting up a plan and a lineage that started with Abraham that would lead to Jesus. Okay, these were God's chosen people. There wasn't a chance to graft in other people. You know, like like it says now today in the new covenant, we can be grafted into the tree, grafted into the vine of the family of God. That wasn't a thing back then. So God was was laying out these rules so that it would take it would take people and create a lineage that would bring us to the Messiah Jesus. Okay, and so when Jesus came and made this new covenant. There was no longer that rule that we had to, we had to be careful about who we married because I don't know about you, but I don't want to birth the Messiah. I know all my kids. They're not the Messiah. <laughs> but so so it's it wasn't written to you. That that specific thing wasn't written to you, but it's there for you to understand who God is and why God does what he does. And, how, and there's a great roadmap for how to live. There's a lot of really good morals and principles in there that that are important. And I'm not taking any of it out, okay? I'm not taking any of it out. I'm just saying when we read the Bible in context, it's very clear if it's for you or not. Okay, so I'm going to read from the Old Testament here, and we'll talk about what's for us and what's not, okay, or what, what, what in there we need. So do you remember King Solomon? Anybody remember him? He's the guy that God gave uh, more wisdom than anybody. Uh, he's, he's King David's son. He was, uh, he was one of the kings uh, of, of God's people, and, uh, and so anyway, there's just, just some really interesting things about King Solomon. Um, the, kings, the kings themselves back in the Old Testament, they were responsible to know the laws of God and to uphold them, both personally and with the people. That's what being a king is, is that you have to create, uphold, and then, and then administer the law to the people. So God thought it was really important that they would know, like know the law really well. So uh, many kings were evil. 
they didn't do that, you'll read in the Old Testament where it says, you know, and the king was evil in the sight of the Lord. And usually right after that, uh, they're not the king anymore. And then uh, there's kings that knew the law and kings who applied the law. And it says that they did good in the eyes of the Lord. And God blessed them and gave them long legacy and heritage. So I want to read to you the part of the Bible where it gives instruction directly to the kings, okay? And this is, this is what God said a king needed to do in their life. So we'll start in Deuteronomy 17. And we'll start in verse 16. So it says this, The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses, for the Lord has told you you must never return to Egypt. Remember, God led them out of Egypt. It was a big to-do, very epic, and they, they got out of there. And God's like, "Why we, we're not going back there. Don't do it. Verse 17, The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord and he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. Verse 18, when he, the king, sits on the throne, or as king, he must copy, listen to this, copy for himself the body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. So the king actually, when he became the king, needed to go to the temple in front of the priest and he needed to write his own Bible. He needed to transcribe it himself. And the, the priests would watch him to make sure he didn't change anything because lots of kings changed things, and, and they didn't want him to change things. So, uh, so this was what the Lord said. So ver- then verse 19, he must always, listen to this, keep that copy with him and read it, how often? Daily, as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord, his God, by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. Seems simple enough. Verse 20. This re- I feel like this is the Lord going into an infomercial. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. If, here's the Bible, it's free. Apply it to your life. It'll change everything. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, don't do these things. So, So the Lord himself, speaking to the king, says, regular reading of God's word ensures blessing. Regular reading of God's word will ensure blessing. And I believe this doesn't just apply to the king, but it applies to you and me. You want legacy in your life? Be regular word reader. You want want blessing in your life? Read the word. You want hope in your life? Read the word. You want a change in your life? Read the word. Let's talk about what Solomon did, okay? Solomon broke every rule on this list, every rule. He built massive stables for his horses. Not only did he buy those horses from Egypt, but he married Pharaoh's daughter. So that's a little bit worse than going and buying a horse. (laughs) He actually joined his nation with Egypt, something that God had been very specific and worked very hard to do the opposite of, right? So he breaks that rule. He had over 700 wives. Men don't smile because that would not be a blessing, okay? I love my wife, and I'm happy there's only one of them, okay? And so this would be unwise, but he did it anyway. And, I mean, think about it. Like, you, it's, you, could, you could love one wife, but it'd be really hard to keep 700 happy. And, uh, and, but so the way that Solomon did this is that uh, he built temples to worship the gods of all the different wives that he had. That sounds like something God would be really happy about, doesn't it? 
Like, oh, that was a great idea. You know how you can make your wife happy? Don't worship me anymore. Like, so, so actually, when we were in Israel, and my wife and I stood on the Mount of Olives and saw all the mountain peaks around uh, Jerusalem, uh, it, like every, on every one of those mountaintops all the way around, Solomon ended up building shrines to other gods. And he would go and travel to those, and he would worship those other gods to make his wife happy, happy. Maybe he should have followed God's rule in the first place, right? This, of course, according to the law, would break his legacy and stop him from having, it's, at the end it says that, that your generations may reign, or you, you may reign for many generations in Israel. His sons were terrible kings. They destroyed, they destroyed the com- country. Most of them were all murdered and done away with. And, and they sent Jerusalem, they sent Israel into a tailspin for years and years and years to come. There were, there were generations of bad kings after that, all because Solomon didn't bother to read the word on a regular basis. So let's turn this around. This might not have been written to you. This was written to a king. And it might not apply to you. You don't, need, you don't probably worry about going to Egypt to buy a horse, right? But the part at the end where it talks about regular reading of God's instruction will help you to live obediently for him and lead you to blessing for many generations to come. How many people would like that to apply to us? That's because that does apply to us. It's in there as God's formula of how to stay close, how to grow, how your faith will grow. It's no wonder that Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Because it's found all throughout scripture. We need to be a people of the word. Had had Solomon followed God's law, maybe everything would look totally different, right? So many people today, Christian people, they feel lost. They feel like they don't have direction. They're frustrated with life. And this is the thing, like what we've been taught in our society is that we should do what we think is the right thing and it will be the right thing. Like that's what society is teaching everybody right now and that's why everything's falling apart. And when we would, if we would actually be honest with ourselves about it, if we would actually look at the situation and go, hey, maybe the thing I think is right isn't right. Solomon, he did all of these things because he thought, They were right. The problem is, is he hadn't spent any time reading what the Lord said. He didn't have it close to his heart, close to his mind. Because if he would have, in the situation, when he was walking into a bad situation, we'd go, wait a second, I know that the thing that that, that the Lord said would say that this is wrong. And it could have reshaped the whole course of history at that point. Guys, if you're not in the Word, you don't have any kind of guidance to tell you what's right and wrong and what you should do. And, and people get hung up on it. Well, it's just a book full, full of rules. No, it's, it's a book full of direction. I don't know. I just think... I think people just put everything before God, except for Sunday mornings. I'm proud of you for being here. It's supposed to be 82 today. Thank you, Lord. Gosh, we got we got to change our priorities. First service, got to the end of the service, and I had everybody close their eyes, and I said, would you just give God one minute of each day? One minute. Makes me sick to even have to ask for one minute. Yet I just said one minute, and you're going, I don't know if I can do that. 
And, and I'm not trying to shame anybody into reading the word. I'm trying to encourage you and say, like, guys, the reason why it's important is because it'll change your life. It ain't going to do anything for me. I'm not going to get anything out of you reading the word. Well, I guess maybe we would see lives changed. We could change the lives of so many people in this community. We could start to have people go, hey, there's Christians out there who love other people instead of hate other people. We could make a difference in the lives of our loved ones and our families and, and, and all, the, all the different people that we see downtown that we go, oh, man, we see that their lives are a mess. Maybe we could do that. Guys, I can't do that on my own. I was telling somebody today, everybody in town seems to know me. I walk through my air and they're like, hey, Pastor Austin. I'm like, hey. But you know that person and you actually know what's going on in their life. You actually know what they're struggling with. You actually have a connection to a certain level where if you were in the word and allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you, you could help introduce them to Jesus. And you and I are here today because we know that being introduced to Jesus is the greatest thing that could ever happen to somebody. But you can't get that kind of guidance by just coming to church on Sunday, listening to a podcast here or there, if you even do that, or, or even listening to Christian radio. Because faith doesn't come by those things. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of the Lord. It comes from the word. So I want to challenge you. This week is Independence Day, celebration. But don't ever forget that you've been set free as well, spiritually. That Jesus died on the cross for you. That he defeated the grave and he rose again so that you could have freedom from that punishment. So you could have independence from the punishment of sin and death. But in that independence, I'm gonna challenge you to choose to depend on the Lord. So I'm gonna say it, whether I like it or not. Would you give God one minute of each one of these next days. And yes, it's a small amount, but I believe that one minute can turn into 10, can turn into 100. That same Barna Research Group, they were trying to uh, figure out the impact of reading the Word. And when they did their study, uh, the, the daily reader's sample size was so small that they felt like they couldn't get enough data on whether or not it would change the lives of people. So they expanded their, their test group out to the people who said that they interacted with, not read, just interacted with the word one time a month. Okay, So this is of people who interacted with the word one time a month, they found that 60% of them found that their lives were changed and better because of that one time a month. Imagine if it was one time a week. Imagine if it was one time a day, how much of a bigger impact and a bigger change and transformation that they would have because of the word of God. It could change everything. I'm not here to, again, I've said it before, I'm not here to shame you into reading the word. I'm just here to say that the Bible is your guide for life. And if you were lost in the wilderness, you sure would love a map. You've got one. Follow it and watch how it leads you into the destiny God has for you. Amen. Let's be 100% devoted, all right? Not 80-20. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for every person in this room. Like truly, God. We thank you for all the different individuals that you've brought into this place and, and that we get to share life with. And God, I just pray that as a body of believers, as a family, 
that we can become people who are dedicated and devoted to you. That we can become a people who want to live your word, want to live the life that you have for us, want to fulfill your ultimate plan, who want to be a living sacrifice so that you can be glorified. God, you know the people in this room. You know their hearts. You know where they struggle. You know whether or not when I said one minute a day was, was going to be tough for them or not. But I pray that you will encourage and motivate us. God, to move towards you, to trust you, to follow you, and to be, to be reading your word. God, I pray that, uh, that as people get into the word, as they take that challenge this week, that as they open their Bible or open their Bible app on their phone, that as they read the words that have been printed, that, that, that you wanted people to read, Lord, that it will bring fresh revelation. It will bring an excitement about you and a change in their person, in their character, in who they are, and it will reroute them into the person you want them to be. God, I pray that they have incredible moments this week as they read the word and they go, how was I living without this? And that it will motivate them to be more of a person of the word, diving in on a regular basis and allowing you to lead. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today and you think about your life and you go, man, I've just made such a mess or I feel really lost or I don't have purpose. I'm here today to tell you that you need Jesus in your life. You don't need church. You don't need that you need Jesus in your life is what you need right now. And it is Jesus that can, can take care of all those things. If you think that you've made too many mistakes, that God could never accept you, that is a lie from the devil trying to keep you from this moment right here. It doesn't matter what you've done. We have all made mistakes. God sees us through the blood of Jesus if we make Jesus Lord of our lives. That blood is a blood that washes away, that paid the price for the things that you've done. You are worthy. You do matter. And God does love you. But today, today is the day where you can make a choice to say, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm, I'm joining your team. I want you to use my life. And I want eternity with you. I want all the things that come along, but I want to see you glorified. And if you do that today, you get to begin living this life with God, this life of purpose, with ultimate destiny that you were created for, a life of fulfillment. But it starts here, and then you have to follow. So if that's you today, and you know you want to make Jesus Lord, you want to start this life with him, just right where you're at with everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody who knows they want to make that decision? Awesome. Awesome. Just keep your hand up for a minute, your hands up in the place. Ushers are going to give you information about the next step after this choice today. As well, if you're watching online, it doesn't matter if you're in this room. If you know you need Jesus, lift your hand up right where you're at. I can't see your hand, but God can see your heart. He knows exactly who you are and exactly where you are right now. The Bible's really clear on how we make Jesus Lord, how we start this. First off, we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that God's plan throughout the Old Testament to bring the Messiah brought Jesus that he died on the cross, defeated the grave, that he rose again so that we could live this life, so that we could be safe and free from our sins, but live with him and for him. And then if you believe that today, then the next part is that every word you say, every step you take, it should say out loud to people that you're a follower of Jesus. And how do we do that? The Bible says we do that by loving other people the way that Jesus loved us, by being willing to set aside our desires and our time and our thoughts in order to show people how valuable and how loved they are. And when we do this to the least of these, we're loving God. 
in the same way. So if that's you and you said that prayer today, or if you're going to say that prayer with us, we're going to pray right now. And as a family, we're going to welcome you into the family of God. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I needed forgiveness. Thank you for giving it to me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. Lead me, guide me, speak to me as I follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome. All right. Amen, amen. We're going to go ahead and continue with our worship of the Lord this morning with our tithes and offerings. So as the ushers come.